Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor Kira. Marler, it has been uh, it has been an interesting couple days. You more so for me, but I bet there are people that are listening to this right now who maybe they saw the messages in the Facebook group or they saw what we tweeted out, and they're like, "Why in the world did debates down south go up for about like a few hours, a couple hours on Tuesday morning?" And not ultimately go up until this is supposed to be going up Wednesday night. Maybe you're listening to this on Thursday morning. What happened in between that? So, Marler, fill us in on what this has been like for you the last day or two. Excuse my language, Connor, but it's only fucking Wednesday right now. <laughs> Yo. Like, yeah. It is the worst week ever. Um, we've got... So, the audio somehow didn't didn't work correctly on mine on Monday, like just mine, which was odd. And then, so we had to like reset everything up. And as we're doing that yesterday, we had a coronavirus scare at my mom's church, which has been just all sorts of fun. Um, I'm just not having a good week and I don't care how that sounds. It's just been not a good week. It's been really awful. And uh, yesterday was one of the worst days I think I've, I've, I've had in a long time, and so um, I'm sorry for opening up with <laughs> with the bad word that will definitely cussed out. I, I will I will mark that down. It's um, like a minute in. I think we can remember that. Yeah, but it just um, it's just been a tough week, and it hasn't been very fun. And uh, you know this, like I think what's frustrating is doing this kind of stuff is supposed to be it's supposed to be the, the fun part. Like this this whole thing about like getting more content out there and and, and going over these different things. It's, it's it's not not stressful because we have to look up and research more stuff and all that kind of stuff, but it's also supposed to be the fun stuff, and yesterday was not fun at all. So here's, fun at all. here's what this ultimately comes down to. Marler did not want to talk about Auburn anymore. <laughs> so he just some, looked for whatever excuse. Some a-hole excuse. out there is going to say that exact thing. No. Like, you, know that, you know that it won't talk about Auburn. You know that no. it didn't. Our plan initially was to be able to get this up Tuesday late in the day, but Marler was yeah. without power all day on oh, Tuesday. Oh yeah, yeah. I That's to another thing. In. Yes. Uh, could be so where we live is like this beautiful, beautiful neighborhood. I love it so much in Peachtree Hills. It's awesome. However, there's they did a good job when they kept the neighborhood because it's like a, it was built in like the 1920s. Is they kept all of the actual like trees and stuff in the neighborhood, like. We have, I don't know, I guess now, if you're looking at it like once a month, we've had a tree, like a massive tree fall, causing a house fire from the only other house we looked at in this neighborhood, on the, that was the last one, and then this one um, knocked down like eight power lines. So we were without power for an entire day yesterday <laughs> until, which is like when you're both stuck at home in quarantine and also you're both trying to work from home, it was just, we, oh God. Not ideal. Not ideal, but the good news is we were able to we're able to record now. Marler has a a new mic. Shout out to our producer Will for getting us that that new mic. We can be able to to shuffle some things around. So the plan. I totally forgot about the power being out. That was all yeah. Cool. <laughs> that's so that's that that played a part in us having this this delay because yeah. not only did, was there an equipment issue and something that we we didn't notice at the time of recording, but something that. You know, in terms of troubleshooting, I, I initially thought, okay, maybe we'll just be able to record earlier in the day on Tuesday. Right. And you're like, hey, look, my power's out. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing we can do right now. So there's just, which is the worst feeling because there's just, when there's just nothing you can do. Nothing, absolutely nothing. So hopefully, you're able to still get entertainment out of this coming out on Wednesday night. Here's the good news: we are going to dig into 2004 Auburn, whether or not that team should have played for a national championship. The undefeated Auburn team that ultimately did not get to play for the BCS national championship because Oklahoma got that number two spot and ultimately got smashed, just destroyed by USC in the championship How do you even score 19 points in a game? That's a good question. What what kind of Big Ten crap is that? That's something that I don't think Auburn fans were really, you know, focused in on as much. Just more so the fact that, you know, 36 points was the old, was the final deficit in that game for Oklahoma. Yeah. And it was a game that made everybody, because Auburn beat Virginia Tech in the Sugar Bowl, it made everybody wonder, did they make a mistake by putting right. Oklahoma in? And because Auburn is an undefeated champ in the SEC who never even got to play for a national championship... 
this debate has been fueled for the past 15 years now, and that's why we are still talking about it here today. So yeah. we're going to dig into a lot of different things with this. And we are. I I Hold on real quick. That the fact that the fact that we haven't we're had to wait a day and now now we get to like after me being in a bad mood, now we get to talk about Auburn. Man, this is gonna be a fun one. So here's what we're gonna do. Before we get into all that stuff, Marler, why don't you tell us about our friends at Bet Online and then we're gonna come back and we'll get to the rest of the podcast. Yeah, guys, I'll tell you one thing. You couldn't bet on Auburn necessarily getting into the national championship game that year. What you can do, you can bet on betonline.ag. Get over to betonline.ag today. Set up an account. You can do uh, a lot, actually. You can bet on table tennis right now. You can bet on horse racing. You can bet on. You can play poker, which is what I've been doing. You can play poker, um, set up an account. It's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so go over. there is still stuff to be bet on today over at BetOnline. So there you go. All right, so like I said, we will get back to the podcast in a minute, but let's take a quick, quick break. So I think a lot of people, when they look at this this debate, they look at it just in terms of an undefeated SEC team not playing for a national championship. It just seems wrong to have that happen not that long ago, 2004. It ain't right, Connor, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) The thing that we want to look at today, though, isn't just whether or not Auburn was worthy of being one of the top two teams in the country, just in terms of skill, all that. But we want to really dig into the Oklahoma side of this as well. Mm-hmm. We want to look at resumes, all the things that were working against Auburn really to get to this place, which the biggest thing being that for, I don't know how, when the last time this had happened was, I think you had this you had this set the other day. 66? 66 was the last time in which the number one team and number two team to start off the year held those respective spots through the entire season, which was what okay. happened with USC and Oklahoma. And to give everyone perspective on that, and I know that a lot of people, this is going to be tough for people to, to, to realize, or to, to break this down, but 66 is the season where... That that whole season makes less sense than this because you have a, a Bama team that has won two national championships in a row, right? Sixty four and sixty five. Forrest and Gump goes, on that team? Yes, he was. Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, so he they go undefeated in sixty six, but that's the year that Michigan State and Notre Dame play to a tie. There's mm-hmm. also so much more that goes into that season because you have like racial issues like around the country you have like the civil rights movement there was so much that went into that versus where this season was just like hey you you have a usc team that's ranked number one you have an oklahoma team that's ranked number two and now and keep in mind what auburn was facing we we talked about this last week with like the the darren mcfadden thing at the heisman trophy like in the very in this in the exact same way that mcfadden was facing such a huge uphill battle before the season even started so was auburn and and some of it their own doing from the year before. Finished unranked the year it, before, which, you but, know. But started the preseason at number six. That season in 2003, this, and then right. opened up with USC. Yeah. And they open up the season with USC and lose 23 nothing. So there's so there's all these things, these like preconceived, I guess like kind of like ideas or notions that people think they have about this team that aren't, aren't fair at all. Auburn but, but are definitely in place. Right. Auburn hadn't finished in the top 10 in 10 years. Yeah, um, that is mind-blowing to me. Really, really crazy to think about that in terms of you know what they have done since then. Started off number seventeen in the country, and it was following this year in which you know everybody's like, oh, the BCS, we're finally you know actually crowning national championships. This is great. Right. And then the BCS had a split national champion in two thousand three. When ironically enough, there were three one-loss teams: LSU, right. Oklahoma, USC, and USC was the team that got left out. But because there were coaches that voted for it. Uh, and it didn't take the BCS championship game as gospel, it essentially allowed USC to have a share of the national championship. So 2004 creates a different nightmare scenario in which there are three teams who are undefeated at the Power 5 level, and there are actually five, if you include Utah and Boise State, who were undefeated going into the bowl season. Utah at the time was still playing in the Mountain West, and then Boise State was in the WAC. But that that hadn't even happened since 1979. So all these different yeah. things that yeah, are, well, that are and, and they're here. also the Utah. Th- yeah, all these different things are in place. And see, see, like th- I don't want to go ahead and, and give you guys my my answer to this necessarily, but it, this is this is a pretty easy 
easy argument to break down because it's like you can make the argument of like, do you think Auburn should have been in it? Sure, but this is this argument is, is more so than any other thing we've done is completely fueled by like revisionist history yep. and what we know now. Yep. That's that's like just just to be 100% honest. And we are debating this as if we are sitting there after the conference championships wrap up or, you know, the Pac-12 didn't have a conference championship. They just strategically put their last game of the regular season on the same weekend that the SEC and the ACC were playing conference championships. Right. Smart move or with the Big 12, I guess, for, for this case. But so all of that needs to be remembered as we dissect this because... We're going to tackle the question of whether or not Auburn would have fared better against USC than Oklahoma did. It's a separate discussion than whether or not Auburn should have been there as the number two right. team in the country. The interesting thing, though, Utah. Got to hit on this really quick. Yeah. With Urban Meyer and the number one overall pick in the following draft, Alex Smith, went undefeated and oh by the way they beat three power five teams by an average of 22 points in the regular season and then all they did in the fiesta bowl was kick the crap out of pit that utah team didn't get a chance to play for a national championship so when people say 2017 ucf oh what a disgrace yeah. all that no 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 2004 utah yeah they got a gripe they got a legit gripe. Were they number one overall pick and they beat five power five teams that four, is four power stupid. five teams four power five teams four, but they okay. killed all of them killed all yeah of them. Well, and the, and the thing is, like, again, we'll get to it, but, like, this is not that hard of a debate. It really isn't. It, like, this is, it, it's, it's like, if, if you if you want to debate on whether we want to look back and think they should get in, that's a debate. That's why there's two different wanna, sides it, to this, yeah. Right. If you just want to understand why it happened, this is very simple. It's very simple, but. So, the interesting thing, though. Even though USC vacated this national championship or was forced uh, to vacate it. <laughs> <laughs> you love this part. Go. So because yeah. they were forced to vacate this national championship because of Reggie Bush and the ineligibility stuff and all that, Auburn had a chance if it wanted to to claim this national championship and never did. And Tommy Tuberville is kind of opposed to that. And uh, Tuberville, though, did different things to make sure that the world knew that Auburn was undefeated that year. Yeah, bro, go claim it. Like, go, and, and listen... I know there are people out here right now that are like, well, we don't do that. We don't, we don't, we, like the people that believe in the Auburn we all do and it. crap and crap like that. We don't, we don't go back and we don't, do, I get it because you, you, it's easy to make the Bama jokes and stuff like that. To put that in perspective, I, I talked about this with Connor the other day where we talked about the greatest teams to never win a championship. And it, of course, opened the door to several Auburn fans coming out and, and saying, like, one of them that owns a podcast, like an Auburn podcast, and he's like, well, we don't do that. We, we're not like the other team that loses to Mississippi State and Vanderbilt, and they go out and claim a championship. Let's, let's all take a break for a second uh, from all of the Bama claims all these fake national championships, because that happened one time 78 years ago. I think we've done this segment before about the most ludicrous so, national championships claim. It claimed. is so <laughs> stupid. Like, it, is, it is fun, sure, but it's like, like if, all the other ones were claimed from like an AP national championship. Like there was one, I, I got in this argument the other day with, I think it was Chris Miller, who's a great dude. He's, he's in the, the Facebook group. And he was like, he's like, yeah, because they made up the, the one they had in 64. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know if that's true. They, they had the number one, they were number one in the AP, number one in the coaches. Uh, and they were also, they had the number one overall draft pick in the NFL draft. So I feel like that was a, probably a pretty good team. I could be wrong. Regardless, Auburn, go back and claim this championship for one. <laughs> For one, like just do it because it's already vacated, and you you should have to you would have at, at at no worst been number two in the country, but also you don't get to make these jokes about how man like we don't claim fake national championships. You had rings made that said People's National Champion that was based off of the twenty four seven Sports website doing a actual fan participation like vote who was the best team and the quote unquote people's national champ people this isn't the rock in wrestling <laughs> the people's national champ isn't a real thing and you had rings made for that team and now don't get me wrong this was a phenomenal team that deserved a better chance at a championship than what they got but it's hard for me to stomach like people saying like well you know bama does this bama does that bro if you're gonna get people's champ put on rings you don't get to make that argument. Can we all agree on that? That's fair. That's fair. The BCS failed Auburn, but Auburn still made the decision to, at least officially... The BCS did not fail Auburn. The BCS, yeah, I, I think the BCS... The BCS, at the time, 
yes, it allowed at the time we were still trying to figure out, okay, what what's what's the best possible way to crown a national champion? Because after two thousand three when all this this questions right. about, you know, okay, if we're gonna have split national championships still, then what is the best way to do this? And I say right. that it failed Auburn because not having this playoff system in place, if there was ever a year for a playoff, this was obviously it. And it would oh, have been great oh, to see the playoff. system itself, yeah. Yes. Yeah, but like but since the BCS I thought you were saying that like the wrong team was ranked number two. And no. what people fail to remember from this is we 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 try to highlight it earlier, but people people fail to remember this. Imagine if you're if you're ranked 17 to start the year, right? After finishing the season unranked, whatever, you're you're ranked number 17. That doesn't make like Auburn was ranked 20th to start the year in 2010. And they were able to climb the, the rankings and have the best team in the country, one of the best teams over the last decade, right? When they when they had Cam, unstoppable team. Now, this season, if you start out that low and you have two teams that are coming in one is def- a defending national champion. The other had just won a national championship in 2000, had the, de- had the defending Heisman Trophy winner, and White, yep. had the runner-up to this year's Heisman Adrian with Peterson. Adrian Peterson. And they went 1-2 wire to wire. There's there's not really an argument to be made for why Auburn should have jumped over Oklahoma in at that, at that point of the season. They didn't play that great of a schedule. The SEC was pretty down that year. So when you look at it, it's like, I, it's so easy to look back on it and be like, well, you know, I, I can say with a thousand percent certainty that Auburn would not have given up 55 points to USC. I, I would put any amount of my fiance's money on that bet. There is no chance that I would sit here and say they deserve to get in over Oklahoma after Oklahoma went wire to wire as the number two team in the country undefeated. We're going to hit on that more later. I want to add some context to all this because the voting is an important part of this and understanding that the pre-bowl voting, this is what people were saying at the time. And we're going back in time to right before the entire bowl season is played. So if you go back and you look at that week and the breakdown of AP first place votes, USC had 44, Oklahoma had 14, and Auburn had 7. In the coaches poll, which was still important at the time because that factor, that was a part of the BCS conversation. They relied on the computers, they relied on the coaches poll and the AP right. poll, and they actually made after 2003. They said we want to take, we want to have this be more so on on the human element, and we want the AP and coaches polls to matter even more. So these really carried a lot of significance. So in the coaches poll, the first place votes: USC had 36, Oklahoma had 16, and Auburn had nine. So even then, there was still that feeling of, okay, yeah, USC is kind of a clear-cut number one. There's a battle for that number two spot, but the votes at the time favored Oklahoma. Now, what there was, I think that we were trying to figure out Auburn the entire year, right? We're trying to figure out how good is this team. Chizik said that they thought that they were the real deal after they beat UGA. Number nine, number eight UGA, they, they beat them 24 to six, just killed them. Um, but the interesting- so Second to last game of the season. Second to last game of the season where they really figured that out. So that's that's telling to me. Um, the, the thing that I think is important to look at this, Tuberville after the Iron Bowl, they win that game <laughs> 21 to 13. And I guess a six and six Alabama team with a third well, string the time, quarterback. They were six and fourth. See, that's the thing that people don't bring up. It's the third string quarterback thing. And who was it? Spencer Pennington? I, was it Brandon Avalos? Like I, I don't, I don't necessarily even remember. But it, the fact that like, yeah, like that was not a good team. That was not a good team. Not at all. And it was a now they had played a lot of close games, and you can make you can make the the case that Tuberville tried to do. <clears throat> I'll let you I'll let you take it away. Here you go. Tuberville said after this game. You know, he's like, I know voters are going to knock us for this, but they shouldn't because that's just the way that this game is played. Why I think that's interesting and why I think that's important to remember is because you have to remember the position that Auburn is in, which is trying to crash the party, trying to jump either Oklahoma or USC. It was kind of assumed that if USC won out, USC was going to get in. Trying to jump Oklahoma and lobby for those votes had the presence of mind in that moment after that game to understand like, hey, look. I need to do something. I can't just come out here and do the cliche. Oh, I got if we a win, Connor. Yeah, we win. We'll it'll take care of itself. Whatever. Like that happens so much in this sport, and I think it was telling that Tuberville recognized that Auburn was going to be on the outside looking in, barring something happening that conference championship weekend. Yeah, just 
Tommy Tuberville, not a fan. Tommy Tuberville coming out here and, and politicking and and and, and pandering to his audience. Foreshadowing. Listen, Connor. Connor. <laughs> I mean, this whole you got to understand, Connor. This whole uh, Iron Bowl rivalry is is always like this. It's it wasn't at the time. It was it wasn't like it was thirty one to seven in two thousand one. Here's the like, thing, it, though. It was not, it, in Tuberville's defense, twelve of the last thirteen games in the Iron Bowl to that point had been decided uh-huh. by two scores or less. How many of them had two teams that were that that crazily separate or, or different in terms of record? Erroneous. No, it's not erroneous. <laughs> <laughs> you said it was 12 or 13 were separated by what? By two scores or less. Oh, so by 14 points? By 14 points or less. For, for, for 13 years, I think that is that shows that a rivalry is yeah. actually close. I mean, most of them were pretty close. I mean, there was 31-17 in 98 and in 99. But yeah, I mean, that was yeah, the one. I, I, sure. Yeah, well... Those are two. Well, no, there was it, it was decided by two scores only, or it was decided by more than two scores only one of those years. 31 to 7, and that was in 2001. 2001, okay. Yeah. So what he's trying to do, though, and I get it. I get it from that standpoint and how weird this yeah. is in this system that, that was created. He's going into the conference championship weekend knowing, look, we've got to make a loud statement here and hope for the best. Our... The control is is kind of out of our hands at this point. I yeah. need to do more. It's not good enough to just win these games. There wasn't that expectation before, even or then after the SEC championship. After Auburn beats Tennessee by ten points, a team that they had already beat in the regular season, that oh Auburn is just going a good to make team it too. A good a good solid team. Meanwhile, Oklahoma plays mediocre Colorado in the Big Twelve championship game and just. Destroys them, forty-two to three. Right. Not a close game, but Colorado was not as good as Tennessee. If you go back and watch the SEC championship, it's interesting. By the way, um, the intro for that game, yeah, it's Bo and Peyton. Pretty doing, electric. It's doing this seize the moment thing. If you have time, go back and watch it. it oh my gosh, I mean, chills watching Bo and Peyton do this. Really, really good. Um, yeah. But the thing about that conference championship weekend is that. You know, USC actually struggled in that game against UCLA, even though it wasn't a conference championship. It was just the last game of the regular season. A very mediocre UCLA team. Yes. In the middle of that game, they go to a game break of your boy, Tim Brando, your favorite. Jesus. He's in the studio, the CBS studio, and it's UCLA scoring a touchdown to make it a one-score game of the third quarter. And Brando... And with that, he tried to convince the committee to put LSU in. <laughs> Brando says, You ever notice, fellas, that no one ever questions if USC is number one, only whether Oklahoma is number two or Auburn. Interesting, isn't it? And then they come back to break. And Todd Blackledge, who was on the call with CBS with Vern, he says, he, he basically he thought that USC was number one the whole year because it was left out of the championship last year. And it was this right. belief that, hey, you know, we kind of owe them one. They were they were robbed not being able to play in that game last year. And that was setting up this narrative of USC being this team that now is their time because they are this good. So interesting to hear them talk about that because you get the sense from Todd and Vern, Auburn's being underrated. And keep in mind, to that point, that was their fifth time having Auburn on the CBS game. Right. So they've seen a ton of them. We talk about trying to figure out, you know, nationally and trying to figure out who Auburn is and all these different things. Those guys felt like Auburn should have been in that conversation. They should have been able to play for this game. Well, and and, and I don't so if if you're gonna make an argument about why like you're not gonna you're not going to win an argument with me, at least, on this with with Auburn should have gotten in because Auburn played in the SEC. Again, At the SEC was down yep. that year. The the SEC was down that year. Auburn beat Tennessee. So, so going into the season, people forget this too. Auburn wasn't even. I think they were the fourth or fifth best team in the conference with the preseason rankings. LSU, they, like, Georgia. LSU, Georgia was third. LSU was four. And then you have Florida, and then who hmm. was terrible. And then you have um, in, in Tennessee, who were all right ahead. So they were they were they were fifth behind them in terms of the preseason rankings, which doesn't really matter. But in this ter- in this in regards to this, it did because they were so far behind all these other teams, and and then you have what ended up happening with the the wire to wire like start to finish from USC and Oklahoma. You don't really have that much. Like, that's not much of an, a leg to stand on with if you're a Auburn supporter in this argument. In terms of you, you weren't widely what's the word I'm looking for accepted as being an elite team going into the season, right? So, and then you go through the, the, the actual conference and you have, 
I think including Auburn, you end up having seven teams only in the SEC with a winning record. And, and, and Auburn only played, I think, three of them? Like, it wasn't – they, they didn't have Tennessee to play South twice. Carolina. They did have to play Florida. They did play Tennessee twice, and Tennessee was a very good team. They beat Georgia, who was preseason ranked number three, and, and it was and, and all of that. They beat them handily, too. If you want to make an argument for where what the most unfair part of this season was, it's the fact that Auburn – they didn't have to go down through this gauntlet of a schedule at all. They did not have to do that. They did play five ranked teams include like that were ranked at the time, including Tennessee and Virginia Tech. However, when they when they go through this schedule, if you want to make an argument for what was really wrong about all this, it's the fact that USC and the Pac-12, and they did this for years, the, the USC had to play 12, a 12 game schedule in the same time period that the SEC teams had to play a, a 13 game schedule. So that last week of the year, when when USC is playing a mediocre at best UCLA team, they're doing it with an extra week off. Here's the other thing, though, that contributed to that argument. I think I think before you said Auburn played Virginia Tech, USC played Virginia Tech in in the opener, played them in the season by a better score. flew flew across the country. Um, Oklahoma faced Oregon in the non-conference. Yep. Auburn's non-conference schedule. When you talk about okay, trying to figure out how good is Auburn, they faced Louisiana Monroe, the Citadel, and Louisiana Tech, and, and that the Citadel's. World beaters. Oh, yeah, I mean Division One AA, but pretty good, pretty good Division One AA yeah. at the time. So that added to this belief in this questioning of, okay, yeah, but we've seen Auburn in the past in non-conference play. They had the home and home with USC in 2002 and 2003, and USC won both of those games. And as you mentioned earlier, they had the 23 to nothing game in the season right. opener in 2003 at, at Auburn. Yes, at Jordan, and people people forget how big of a deal that is because. Auburn was the higher-ranked team, and and teams from out west, they usually don't come to the like at this time especially. They weren't coming down to the south, in the deep south, in in that August heat. So that's that's important to remember, not because that's their 2003 res or that's their 2004 resume. We shouldn't be right. talking about 2002, 2003, but in terms of shaping perception, that's what it was doing. The worst take that you can have about this debate is that USC would have throttled anyone. That they faced, yeah. and it didn't matter if it was Auburn or Oklahoma. That was an all-time great Auburn USC defense. team. Yes. So the Auburn defense. Let's talk about it because it was number one in the country, and our boy Gene Chizik was leading that attack. It was darn good. Darn good. Who was who was on that team? Carlos Rogers was on that team. Carlos Rogers, Junior Rose Green, Quentin Groves. Was Quentin Groves on that team? I Predator? think he was. Rose Green and, and Rogers were the two. Uh, first teamers on that team, all SEC guys, and then yeah, I mean the 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 depth that they had though up front, especially yeah. stopping the run, was special. They had not allowed a team to hit 21 points until the SEC championship against Tennessee. Let me repeat that because that's, that's pretty crazy. darn good. No yeah. SEC, no team had hit 21 points against Auburn until Tennessee did in the SEC championship. Here's the other part. Well, and real quick, I, I do want to say, so up until that Tennessee game in the championship, you, you talk, so they had played three teams that at the time were ranked in the top 10. Number 10, Tennessee, mm-hmm. number 5, LSU, and number uh, 8, Georgia. Yes. And, and I, I believe, if I'm looking at it correctly, so LSU finished 16th, they finished 9-3, and three, Georgia finished 7th in the country at 10-2, and two, and Tennessee finished 10-3. and three. Um, t- By the way, Tennessee's two losses to Auburn and Notre Dame. Pretty good. So, like they had, a, they had a very good year. However, what's more impressive about those top, those top ten games? They had played only three ranked teams, but they were all ranked in the top ten mm-hmm. prior to the SEC championship game. They held every single one of those opponents to ten points or less. Gosh, that is really good. That is really, yeah. really good. USC, meanwhile, faced two top ten defenses to that point. One of them was Virginia Tech in the opener, as we mentioned, scored 24 points against a Virginia Tech defense that finished number two in the country. Right. Uh, 24 points is, okay, not exactly lighting up the world. It's not 55 against Oklahoma. It's but the more interesting more thing. More than, than Auburn scored, but yes. The only non-USC Pac-12 defense in the top 30 was Cal. Cal finished number eight in the country in scoring defense. This a team, is a good stat. team that had Aaron Rodgers, by the way. Against Cal, USC scored 23 points. All right, fine. The more interesting thing, Cal had a yards advantage of 424 to 205 in that game. Right. So essentially against the two best defenses that USC faced that year, yes, they had Matt Leinart. Yes, they had Lendo White. Yes, they had Reggie Bush, Mike Williams. That team was incredible. But yeah. to say that they would have just blown out everyone, 
they hadn't seen a defense as good as what Auburn was presenting. No. And that was one no. of the, the great unknowns is what would that Auburn defense have been able to do against USC and those great playmakers? I realize, though, that some are going to say, well, we already saw that happen. 2002, 2003. That's the other thing that kind of frustrates me. It sucks, yeah. About this argument. And here's why. Because in 2002 and 2003, they were operating in a completely different offense. Al Borges went from Indiana, my alma mater, to Auburn after the 2003 season. That year, they were expected to lose Ronnie and Cadillac to the NFL draft. There was an expectation that Cadillac was going to be, he had a a late first-round grade, Cadillac, or, and then Ronnie had a, a third-round grade. Al Borges comes to Auburn, Tommy Tuberville hires him, and basically he's like, I'm going to run this pro system, two-back system. Yep. It's going to be great. I'm going to maximize these guys. I'm going to change the way that your offense runs. Your quarterback, Jason Campbell, he's going to benefit from this as well. And sure enough, the guy was right, and they stayed, and that offense was totally different. Like, think about this. Look at what they did in one year compared to LSU, compared to what they did yeah. the next year against them, where, you know, there's no chance, in my opinion, that that if they had faced off in 2004, that those two backs, Ronnie and Cadillac, would have had 20 touches like they did in 2003. They would have had 30-plus yeah. touches easily, and the entire offense would have run differently. Jason Campbell was so much better, so much more confident in that offense without Borges in 2004 than he was in the previous years. And Ronnie and Cadillac, that dynamic that took over college football, that would have been on display. And game planning for that still would have been extremely difficult to do. Yeah, what's what's really weird about this, and, and I hope Auburn fans can hear me out on this in saying that like I, there's not a part of me that thinks that Auburn, again, wasn't the, I don't know, the, the second best team in the country. It, it, my argument is that I don't think they should have. It, it, I, I, my argument is that they... The whole blind argument of they deserve to be getting in, they got robbed. That's that's where like the misperception is. I think from fans that like fans that really think that they got robbed, it did, that's not how this happened. I get it's I not. get though why like the it's a little bit of confirmation bias, right? Because there are Auburn fans who at the time yeah. for them it's like okay, well I'm I'm, I'm telling you why this this team should be right. better than number three. They're saying that before yeah. the game is played, and then they see the way that things play out, and they're like, "See, I told you I was right." We do this yeah. all the time in the sport. Always. There's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. The the, but, the thing that we have to remember though is is the context of everything that was that was being talked about with Oklahoma and all the hurdles that Auburn was still trying to overcome on a seemingly weekly basis that season. Yeah, but so what's what's crazy to me though isn't isn't that whole thing about how like well you know like they should have gotten in or they you know they they like like what's crazy to me is that at the time we didn't realize that Auburn had the same if not more amount of star power mm-hmm. as these other teams. Yes. Now, and, and think now it, that's really hard to look at and, and understand. If for people that like look back at it now and they're like, how the hell did they not make the 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 you know what do you call it, the BCS National Championship? They had four first rounders. They had three of those were all they had their the quarterback went in the first round. They had two running backs go in the top five. But believe it or not, at the time they didn't have anywhere close to the amount of star power as the other two teams. Because you look at it USC, this season, they have the Heisman Trophy winner in Matt Leinart. They also have next year's Heisman, which a lot of people thought may should have won this year, mm-hmm. which was Reggie Bush. Then you look at Oklahoma, who has the re, like the returning Heisman Trophy winner from the year before in Jason White, who is just, you know, a Jinko jean-wearing version of Chris <laughs> Winkie. But then you have... <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> so, that was just so on the fly. Have, that was really good. <laughs> that was, yeah, I'm pretty proud of that one. So then you have... Then you also have... You have Adrian Peterson, who had 1,900 yards this season. Incredible. So while while what Auburn had in this backfield, we look back at it now, and it's like, man, like it, it's we, we bring this up all the time, like where we said last week on the debates on South, like we we miss out on on how great of a season these two teams really had, or, or these two players really had, because you know we were so caught up in the argument. This one, I, I think, it's so much easier to look back on it now and be like, dude, what were y'all watching, like? But if you really, really dig deep and look into the research of it, at the time we didn't we didn't know. Like, we, well, Jason Campbell, he we don't know if he should have been a first round pick, but like we didn't know that he was gonna be that great, and, and we didn't know what we had maybe in those two running backs. People in the South probably did, and especially people in Auburn definitely thought that they they knew it. 
but around the rest of the country, it's hard to convince everyone else. Like, hey, how about this two-back pro-style system? They're doing a lot right now. Like, look at them share the share the carries versus, hey, Reggie Bush went off against this team. I think I think this might have been the game where he had the the flip in the end zone against UCLA. Oh gosh. Remember that from like the five yard line or like six yard line, some crazy crap like that. And then you also have Matt Leinart, who who's just steady Eddie the entire season going through. And and they're again, they're playing this schedule where they're they're beating these teams that are bigger national brands than what the SEC was doing, which is BS because I've already told you they they played three top ten teams that beat them all, but they're not doing it through like like two of those were in like in the first five games of the season. And then they didn't really play much after that. Anyway, go ahead. USC and Auburn, had they been able to play? Oh, God, it would have been so good. It would have been great. I think USC still would have won. I think it would have been like a 21 to 14 type of game. I tend to think it would have been more low scoring. I think these de- I think these defenses really would have showed up well. The month to be able to game plan, all those different things. Although Tuberville did say when he was on the broadcast for the Oklahoma USC National Championship, he's like, yeah, Norm Chow. If you give him a month, he's going to figure things out from an offensive standpoint. That would have been really difficult. In, yeah. in a moment when he's probably trying to campaign a little bit for yeah. for coaches to go rogue and vote them national champs and all that, he even admitted that at the time. Yeah. So I think, though, the Chiswick in that defense, keep in mind that a year later with Texas, he, he goes mm-hmm. to Texas and ultimately they beat that USC team. That, you know, 2005, we thought that was all-time number one team in the country, you know, going to be remembered as one of the great teams ever. Yes, that Texas team allowed 38 points in that game. They came out very much ready to go, and they got the late stop against Lendell White. So you can say what you want about the defensive performance there. I reached out to Chiswick. I reached out to him. Um, He's under the impression that Auburn wins that game. That Auburn beats USC, he said, and, and his reasoning for the reason that he gave I love Chiz, but that's not surprising to me. I love Chiz. He's a competitor, of course. He's. He, yeah. I, I assumed he was going to say that. Um, yeah. Actually, I asked for a final score, and he's just like, "We would have won." Um, he right. says, he said like how people forget they didn't allow a rushing touchdown until the eighth game of the season. That is stupid. That's crazy. That is that is absolutely stupid. Now, keep in mind though. That USC defense was as good, if not better. Really these, good. So these, these, so that Auburn and USC were actually pretty, pretty similar in terms of where they ranked in in defensive rankings in the country, and that's that's not taking anything away from the Auburn team. That's not like they they were both like, God, just it's crazy to forget like how much talent both these two teams have. I know, and it's crazy to think about Chiswick going from that Auburn defense to Texas's defense the next year. Yeah, and then being that's a true. part of that. Well, and, and so, and one thing that people forget about, we talked about this with like the the schedule, and if you kind of look at it, I brought this up last week with with how unfair it was that McFadden was playing against um, better competition than Troy Smith was mm-hmm. late in the season, yeah. right? And you look at what like so after after Auburn beats Tennessee, who's number ten at the time, thirty four to ten, beat the beat the brakes off of them. The teams they play after that, Louisiana Tech, I don't know what their final ranking was. Arkansas, they finished five and six. They played Kentucky, who finished uh, two and nine. They've played. Uh, an Ole Miss team that finished four and seven. So it wasn't like at the time when most people are starting to really start to pay attention mm-hmm. to the, like that argument. And then they have a week off where they play Georgia. You know, at, at the time that that's their tenth win, and you're like, hold on though, Did, is it that impressive? Because at at the same time, USC's playing Cal, who was a top five team for most of the most of the season, right? And and then they're beating them, and then they're put, then like Oklahoma's playing Texas, who was a Top five team at the time, and they beat them twelve to nothing, which was kind of surprising. If that Georgia game happens earlier, a month earlier, does that change yeah. the way that we talk about the, about Auburn? Yes, stretch? yes, and and I don't think that the actual score changes at all. Like this, this Auburn team was as good as as they were built up to be. My and again, my argument is not that they shouldn't have made it. My argument is, it's obvious to see why they didn't make it. Th- it really is like they, they they there was the one and two team in the country went wire to wire. The thing that I talk speaking of that number two team in the country, the thing that I didn't know slash forgot about until researching this, it was just how good AD all day Adrian Peterson was as a true freshman. Because you remember him as this great college back, and obviously his highlights are incredible. But even if you just want to do the highlight tape from twenty from two thousand four. It's insane. It's an all-time YouTube video. You brought up the number earlier. Nineteen twenty-five rushing yards as a true freshman. Set a hell bunch of a of, year. I mean, basically set every freshman record that you can. Had hundred-yard yeah. games 
all throughout the season except once up until that USC game. I mean, he would do these these things like he would spin, he would get spun around at the second level, and basically he was spinning because his balance was so good, and most backs would have fallen in that spot. And then he would keep his balance and take off for an 80-yard touchdown. And you're just like, the way that he ran and attacked, it looks like he was angry at the ground. I mean, it was unbelievable watching <laughs> the way that he would run. Reference, I mean, he, he Adrian Peterson almost became the first player, freshman or sophomore, to win the Heisman Trophy. Did not come that far away from beating no. out Matt Leiner and winning, which at the time, I mean, if he's a year older, there's no doubt in my mind he becomes the first sophomore ever to, to win the award, and it wouldn't have been Tebow a few years later. Right. But I think you know people are still kind of of that mindset of, well, you know, number one quarterback, in the number one uh, team in the country, the quarterback, the star player, the returning starter, all those different things, let's give it to him. But... Adrian Peterson, man, if you want to burn, you know, 10 minutes on YouTube easily, God. just go look at some of those old highlights. He was unbelievable. And and then when you, you know, when you kind of break it down too, I'm trying to look through like Carnell had 11,000, I'm sorry, 1165 yards and where's combined Ronnie and Ronnie and Cadillac were doing things that were statistically speaking really comparable to what Adrian Peterson was doing by himself. Now, obviously, right. they're used in a totally different facet, and there was, you know, Ronnie was, you know, very much involved in the passing game as well, which <sighs> is part names. of it. Cadillac was, I think, he was uh, SEC Special Teams Player of the Year that year, if I recall. Right. I mean, those guys. Thomas did Brown from okay, so Ronnie Brown had 913 yards, and and I think what like again, like you can. I've heard the argument made before. It's like, well, imagine if we only had one of them. They were just giving it to Cadillac. It still wouldn't have compared to... They did that. They essentially Peterson did that, though, did. in the years past. Yeah. So I, I just... I think that... It, it's The star power of this kind of hurt... kind of hurt Auburn, and it shouldn't have, but but again, you can make all of these arguments, and you can look at all of these numbers and, and talk about how, like, well, you know, they did this, and they did this, and they, they had this many... They only gave this many points to this team, and, and all of that's true, it wouldn't have mattered because, again, one and two in the country, and they were deservingly, at the beginning of the season, as much as they were through the end of the season, deservingly one and two in the country, they finished wire to wire. So it's like, how how do you get up there? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're, you're just... <sighs> let's let's talk about something a little bit different. A little, little, bit, a little bit of a lighter note. So the other thing that I forgot was JetGate. Auburn <laughs> failed to hire Bobby Petrino away from Louisville. Basically, made an attempt to go up to Louisville. Fry, they, they flew the, the private plane uh, a day before the 2003 Iron Bowl, and they were interviewing Petrino to replace Tuberville. And then they got busted. Dude, they were 11. And, wait, what year was this? 2003 that they did this. Okay, yeah. So they were like eight and three. Yeah, they were. Yeah, I think they're. Yeah, eight and three. And now, no, they they would have been. Keep in mind, because they they won eight games total that year, right? So and then they won the Iron Bowl. So they Bowl. were seven and three. Okay. So yeah. so think about think about this too. There's no. Ch- Bama was four and nine at the end of the season. They and I know that they were not. That's the game where Carnell broke off an eighty-yard run to start the yes, game. Yes, he did. Highlight and, of his career. And it was awesome. Um, I, I will say. There's, there was no chance they were going to lose that game. And I remember when this happened, you were like, what is happening here? Because this happened like three different times. This happened like three different times for, for Auburn and Petrino. And it's like, like, I remember one time they did it like on a Thursday night, and they were like, there's that plane. And I'm like, wait, what is happening? Like, what? Why are they there? Um, that was, God, that was, I forgot about that. That was fun. Auburn, uh, as you said, made, made a habit of this. But So this became public knowledge, but apparently Tuberville said after the fact that had he known of all the inner workings of what was going down, he would have left because he would have been like, look, if they're trying to replace me and interview other people, I am not their guy. I would have left. Now, I'm going to get you I'm going to get you heated up here because Tuberville, but you don't Tuberville kind of infamously says that his dominance was what led to Alabama hiring Saban. Now, to that point, they were two years into this six-year winning streak that Auburn had against Bama. I'm not reminding you of this. I'm reminding the listener of this. Yeah. So they're two years into this at that point at the end of the 2003 season. And 
they, after five years of losing to of losing to Auburn, made this splashy hire to go hire Saban, lure him from the Miami Dolphins. Give he him- wasn't, and he was. You knew it wasn't gonna work out. You knew it was gonna work out. They're just trying to get a big name, and and he already he already left. He wasn't even good in the pros. Eight he wasn't years, even good in the pros, Connor. Eight years, $32 million. Splashy <laughs> as splashy gets in terms of coaching hires. So Alabama. Watch, like put on probation within three years, I guarantee it. <laughs> so in other words, had Jetgate not blown up, and had, or maybe, maybe if Tuberville had, you know, done what he said he would have done, found out about all this and said, you know what, I am going to leave. I am going to not. I'm not going to stay in a place where clearly the administration doesn't want me. Obviously, the 2004 season never happens in that capacity. They would have had so many different guys who would have gone to the NFL. The sliding doors is what I'm getting to here. Yeah. Had Bobby Petrino said, yes, bring me on board. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Does (laughs) Alabama ever hire Nick Saban? Go off. Yes. So here's the thing. I want to I want to reiterate one more time. This 2004 Auburn team was truly special and a great football team. However, everything that everything that Tommy Tuberville says, it's so hard for me to take seriously. It's it's so difficult because everything he says seems like now this is going to shock you something a politician would say. Like yeah, it's, it's no. this whole this whole Connor let me tell you something here. I mean you're talking about like his this whole thing of. I'm the only reason they hired Saban. You're out of your GD mind, Tommy Tuberville. We had Mike Shula as the head coach, and before him it was Mike Price, and before him it was Dennis Franchetti who bolted in the middle of the night. Like, no, you you beating Bama. Everyone was beating Bama. Okay, like it wasn't just Tennessee. It wasn't just Auburn. It was Tennessee, and it was it was like this team hadn't been to an SEC championship game since '99. Hadn't even sniffed it. They had they had two seasons where they had seven total wins combined in 2000 and 2003. Those are my high school years, Connor. Two, two, like, no, it wasn't because Tommy Torville dominated this rivalry. You're out of your effing mind if you think that's what happened. I like that you slipped God, back into ridiculous. You slipped back into the Tuberville voice just to say that. That was great. He, he's, but like, it's just so stupid. Like, I just, this is why it's so hard. It's it's hard to argue some of these things sometimes because it's like, like you, <laughs> I hate I hate when we bring up arguments. And instead of arguing actual points, someone just says something. Like, you just say something. And it's like, you know, well, if it weren't for unicorns that came out of the sky that night, I'm pretty sure that Auburn probably would have won the national championship. Like, I don't think that happened. You saw the cloud formation up there. You could see the unicorns making a making a play. I'm a big cloud like, guy. what yeah, are you I talking about? Is it? You got to just see it. I just, whatever. Anyway, moving on. Okay, so don't just don't cheapen how great this team was by saying something stupid like that. Like, <laughs> like I just ugh. What anyway. we initially were going to try to do was come up with a debate that we actually were on different sides of, and yeah. the initial point was to be able to to do something like that and really kind of get heated. Stephen A. Max Kellerman or Shannon Sharp, uh, Skip Bayless, whatever you prefer. <sighs> I don't think, based on the conversations that we've had so far, that that is going to be the case. Now, Marler, I think I know where you stand on this. Why don't you? Why don't you share though? Where? You, where exactly? Auburn. You stand? Auburn should have one thousand percent. You know, hold on. Before we do this, I need you to go back because we did this on Monday before we lost the audio. Go over the stats that let that that were like comparing the the Oklahoma team versus Auburn. Okay, I will do that first because yeah. I broke down a lot of different things when I looked at this, and I wanted to take any sort of. Um, there was a little bit of sentimental attachment for me because yeah. getting to do the story that I did two years ago for Goat Week on Ronnie and Cadillac, greatest SEC running back duo of all time, I probably just made a lot of Georgia fans very, very upset with that comment. Um, again, Who were the other ones, what would the duo from Chubb and Michelle? Um, okay, so. I I loved getting to getting to report on that story. It's one of my it might be my favorite story that I've ever been able to do. The people that I was able to talk to, Tuberville gave me like an hour of his time when he was driving through random parts of Alabama, probably doing some campaigning thing. He was on the way to a golf outing or something like that. Ronnie and Cadillac were so gracious, and I I sort of looked back on that team and I'm I was like you know kind of listening to these guys talk about it, and I became more fired up that they didn't get the chance to play for a national championship. But I wanted to try and scrap that from my memory, and I wanted right. to look at this in the same way that we discuss playoff stuff. And when we were talking about the playoff poll and when they came out and this 
the, the, the similar metrics that way we use to evaluate teams. So I broke it down into a few categories, of course. Number of Power 5 opponents faced. Oklahoma 10, Auburn 9. Average margin of victory before the bowl. Auburn was 22.3, Oklahoma was 21.3. Wins versus teams ranked in the AP Top 25 after the conference championships. Auburn was at 4, Oklahoma was at 3. The average margin of victory in those games, Auburn... 4, but... It was three teams. They beat one that was ranked twice. One that was right? ranked twice, but yeah, in terms of victories, yes, overall victories, right. it was four. To Still three. impressive. Still impressive. Still impressive. The um, the average margin of victory in those games: Auburn thirteen point three, Oklahoma eleven point three. The wins versus Power Five bowl teams after the conference championships have been played: Oklahoma five, Auburn five. Average margin of victory in those games: Oklahoma fifteen point two, Auburn twelve point two. What am I trying to say with all those numbers? I'm trying. It to was s- pretty damn close. It was super close. It was <laughs> like, super, super close. So that being said, and I appreciate you going back and going through all that. That being said, and, I, and I'm fully aware, I am fully aware of how many people are going to take this because they're going to take it the same way they take anything else I say involving Auburn if they don't agree with what I say. And I've said this before, I've been trying to be just as honest and transparent as possible this year, regardless of of, not pandering and placating to some of you baby fans out there who just want to hear what what you want to hear. Auburn was the second best team in the country, in my opinion, this season. Based off of what I saw in the Orange Bowl, Auburn should have gotten a chance to play in the national championship. Why is that important, Connor? Because like I said, based off of what I saw in the Orange Bowl, that's the only thing that changes my mind about this season. This is a team that, I've already said it once, and I meant it a thousand percent. Bro, go back and chain, go go back and claim the national championship. You're gonna feel a lot better about it. Trust, Trust me. But that being said, no, they didn't deserve at the time to get in over an Oklahoma team who was ranked number two the entire season or a USC team who was ranked number one the entire season in a season where the SEC was down already. You heard how close it was from what Connor said. So why would we just give the three team the benefit of the doubt? Because you brought the human element into this more so than any other season where you allowed voters and, and whatever polls to be factored into it. And for the entire season, the entire season, there was one week where Auburn was tied at second. Tied. That was it. That's the highest they reached in the polls. Is it unfair that this was a waste of a season in terms of you went 13-0 and didn't win a national championship? Yes. It's by all bummer. means it is. It sucks. It absolutely sucks because this is one of the best teams we have seen in in probably the last 20 years in the SEC. It, it, it definitely is. However, you ran into a metaphorical buzzsaw this season when these other two teams went undefeated. And I tell you what, man, you heard the numbers. You heard the numbers. If that 10-9, if that 10-9 LSU game, and I know this is a, this is a moot point for the most part, but like that 10-9 LSU game, if LSU somehow gets a safety or whatever and it's 11 to 10, I don't know why it would be a little league baseball score. Sure. But if it's 11 to 10, we're not having this argument. We're like it's not even close. It's not even close. Like they they went they went thirteen and zero, Oklahoma went thirteen and zero. I'm sorry, they went twelve and zero after the, like going into the bowl season. Oklahoma went twelve and zero going into the bowl season. USC was eleven and zero going in the in the bowl season. It absolutely sucks. It was a historically great team. Now where I will hurt some feelings on oh on boy. this is the fact that I, I did this this weekend where we talked about the greatest teams to never win a championship. I wouldn't have two thousand four Auburn as even my number one team. You initially did. I initially did. I initially did because in the same way that I think every single one of us looks back at this and we're just like, we're, like, we're, we're almost 20 years, we're, we're over 15 years removed from this argument. It's so easy to be like, yeah, Auburn got, like I saw it this weekend and, and every, everyone voted them number one. Like everyone voted them number one. It's like, they got robbed. They got jobbed. They got Roy Hobbed. I don't know. Like it was like every, everyone, like it was just like, everyone's like, they got robbed. They got, they got, like they did it. They, they like, it's, they got robbed out of what? Second place? It, and it's it's really, it sucks. Again, it absolutely sucks. This was a historically great team. But I would argue that 95 Florida was a better team that ran into a better program they lost to. And I would definitely argue 
that that 2011 LSU was a better team. 2011 LSU, who lost to Bama in the national championship, they beat eight ranked teams. And they beat those eight ranked teams by an average of 22 points. So, yes, it is. it sucks. The whole thing is sad. I get it. But it, it doesn't make me think that they were necessarily better than, than some of those other teams. Well said. Well said. I, I, I think that's perfectly fair. And I think we're both in agreement that that how Auburn would have matched up against USC is a different question from whether or not they deserve to be there. Obviously, they yeah. would have matched up better with USC than Oklahoma did. We have hindsight. We could have maybe even said that at the time. That, there's there's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with saying that, but most deserving team is a, is a different discussion. Here's, yeah. here's what swayed me. Had we come out and seen this non-conference schedule in 2020, Louisiana Monroe, the Citadel, Louisiana Tech, we would have blasted it. We would have yep. absolutely, absolutely ripped it. We would have. In a tie situation, which I, I broke down all those numbers right there and why I felt like this was similar, I mean, really, really similar to a tie, there wasn't this massive perceived uh, divide between the SEC and the Big 12 at the time. I can't stress that enough. There was more parity in college football back then than there is now for sure. To AP voters, I think that mattered a lot. And to me, if I had been voting on this, it would have mattered to me. Because you know what Auburn hasn't done since that 2004 season? Fail to have a Power 5 game in non-conference play. They're set on that through 2028, and there's a reason for it. Right. Had Auburn gone out and blasted a Power 5 team in non-conference play, different story, I think. And here's... But... but yeah, my bad. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, I say that because... There was skepticism about Auburn in part because of the non-conference stuff and not just USC. Because if you look back 2001, 2002, 2003, in their previous five games against Power 5 non-conference teams, they were 1-4. and four. That's, yeah. that's part of the and, issue. And, and Auburn fans need to hear this. That's not, that's not us saying they didn't deserve to be in it because that happened. It's just at the time... That's why people. That's why people didn't really think it was that big of an argument. Yes, and if you're this team that's coming out of nowhere, but you you haven't had that non-conference success, yeah, we're going to be a little bit more skeptical of you. Here's the comp that I would make to this happening in 2020. Right now, it feels like, God willing, if we have a season. Right now, I feel like preseason one and two is going to be Clemson and Ohio State. I feel like that's the overwhelming thing. Is that yeah. is that fair to say at this point? Do you see the other day that that? Uh, never mind. It's not important. But yeah, I saw I saw it the other day, and 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 they had. I think there was only one SEC team in the top five, hmm, and it was Georgia. It was USA Today, which I don't disagree with. But anyway, go on. So let's let's think about that because. Two, two guys who, you know, the face of those programs, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, they're, mm-hmm. they're household names, obviously. They're the two most popular players in college football going into this season. Those teams are obvious, number one, number two. Let's say that those teams play the entire 2020 season and they go undefeated. Then let's say a team like Texas. Texas, let's just say Texas doesn't have a, non, a non-conference game against a Power 5 team this year. Right. I realize they're playing LSU. But let's just say they did it, and they had that schedule of Louisiana Monroe, the Citadel, Louisiana Tech. Texas is a team that has lost a non-conference game to a Power 5 team in September for seven straight years. Seven straight years. Yeah, and let's say <laughs> And let's say Texas is, you know, maybe Texas starts off in the 15 to 20 range, whatever, whatever it is for 2020. And they're trying to get into that conversation at the end of the year. And are people all of a sudden going to be like, yeah, you know what? Texas deserves to jump Clemson. They deserve to jump Ohio State. Yep. Probably not. And that's unfortunately, fair or not, that was what Auburn was working against. And it was a bigger hurdle than we probably give credit to when we look back on that team and say, what if? But you need to remember all the elements that went into it. And it sucks that that year had to play out the way that it did. And it's it's hard to it's hard to really that's a really good point, Connor. And it's hard to it's hard to and I never thought I would say that. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> it's it's hard to really look at this team and then think like, hmm, like it's it's hard to separate the argument between did they deserve to be in versus like like yes they deserve to be in versus well here's a here's an understanding reason why they didn't get in. So I have two questions for you. So you you brought up the Texas thing and I and I get that and that's a great that's a great comp. 
but it almost seems somewhat similar to how these, and maybe it's unfair that it does, but it almost seems somewhat similar to how some of these group of five schools that go undefeated mm. were in comparison to power five teams. Like they're just, they're starting like in that mid 15 to 20 range, like, you know, in terms of rank. And then they just end up, you know, on the outside looking in because, because the schedule wasn't as great as we were hoping it would be. Right. Yeah. I think so my question is this, is that, is, is UCF a fair comparison to this team from 2017? And the other question is, Dude, you you were 2004. You were what? Eight years old, and because <laughs> so I, I was in college, I was in high school. Okay, so, all right, so I'm, I I remember like I was at Middle Tennessee State at the time, and I remember growing up like obviously always loving and watching SEC football. And so for us SEC fans, it's easy to look at this and be like, yeah, well they should have gotten in. All the things we already said. As somebody that was in Illinois as a freshman in high school and also still into sports, do you remember this being that big of a, a debate at the time? No, I don't. I, I remember I remember hindsight being the, the bigger factor, but I do remember that year everybody's talking about Ronnie and Cadillac. Ronnie and Cadillac. Right. I, I feel like I remember more that season hearing about Ronnie and Cadillac than I did Lendell White and Reggie Bush. Now, Reggie Bush and yeah. Lendell White had the, what they did in 2005. Obviously, that was more impressive than what they did in 2004, but at the time, like that was the duo, and it was like, Holy cow! This is this is revolutionary. This is something that maybe we haven't seen before in the way that we're using that that Auburn was using running backs at the time. And I do remember hearing about that, but I don't remember there this overwhelming feeling that Auburn was getting robbed throughout the year right. and even right then because it was like Oklahoma's undefeated and Oklahoma hasn't done anything yeah. to lose that spot. And even the way yeah. that they played down the stretch, they killed teams in those last three games of the season. Lesser competition, yep. yes, but if they had had a letdown or maybe even if Oklahoma had replicated what USC did against UCLA, maybe that sort of changes that argument and there's more momentum for it, but I don't remember there being this overwhelming feeling that Auburn was getting this massive injustice. Yeah, and that's, that's my main point. So, there you go. Well, we once again found a debate that we that we totally agree on. Um, <laughs> we disagreed on certain things about this, but yeah, um, I, I think that this team though is still incredible, and, and it's it's yeah. fun to look back on. And I loved going through all the different the rabbit holes that we went down. It was great. This I think was even better than the first podcast that we recorded. I feel confident about that. The lost yeah the lost I mean. initial podcast that we did for this, but um, hopefully. All of our audio issues are, are in the past. Marler's audio setup now. We've been asking him to to essentially juggle God. a billion different things in the past. Yeah, and that's dude, that's to be honest, I'm glad you brought that up. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you bringing that up, and I'll say it on air in front of everybody because it is so. So Will comes over. Will comes over yesterday. Our producer goes, Will. Dude, yeah. this is going to be so easy. It's all it takes is attention to detail. And if there's anything that our audience or you or my parents or Allie or anyone that knows me could attest to, attention to detail is not my thing, guys. Not my thing. So I was like, great, this should be fun. Can't wait. Um, so hopefully it goes well. I, I, we appreciate the... Um, the patience. And, yeah. The patience, for real. It's, you guys are great, and, and we obviously love you guys, and, and thanks, for, thanks for listening. So... Sorry, and, and Auburn fans, I'm sorry that we could, I couldn't make a better case for you. I, I, I legitimately am. I legitimately am. I hate that. I thought I was going to. I came into this. I really, I really did. I thought you were too. I thought I was. I, I did. I thought I was too. So when we when we actually talked about this off air, this is a little peel behind the onion here. You said you were like, all right, which side do you want to take? And I was like, I'll take Auburn. You can take the other one. Like, and, and my to be honest, my thought behind that was like. I'll take Auburn. You can play the bad guy for once, and then and then I thought about it, and I was like, oh man, I did all the research, and now it's like, because mm, because not- after you said that, I did the research, and I'm like, well, yeah, I'd actually I would give Oklahoma the edge. Oklahoma would have yeah. had my vote at the time, but yeah, I mean, we'll we'll find something eventually that we we disagree yeah, on. We'll disagree at some point again. I don't think it'll be that difficult. Maybe maybe next we could be the uh, cross sports. Uh, we can Ooh, do yeah. comparing dynasties. We can compare Florida's basketball dynasty, 2006-2007, to Alabama's repeats of 2011 and 2012. Maybe that'd be right. that'd be a fun thing to dig into. Uh, but the the schedule for the rest of the week is different because obviously this this coming out on a Wednesday is different than what we had originally planned. But here's the good news: Casual Friday is still going to be recorded as planned. 
guess what we're talking about? We're talking about a couple of couple of little, little little kitties, little kitties. Uh, oh, I, we're talking Tiger Joe. We're, we're talking. We're talking Tiger King. Yes, we are talking Tiger King. Hey, I have one episode God. left right hey, now. Hey, all you cool watch. cats and kittens. Yeah, we're not gonna open with that ever. Um, we we want. Yeah, we're gonna have. Are, but... We're gonna have questions just about Tiger King. Um, spoiler alert. Yes. We're, we're gonna get into all of it. I have many, 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 many thoughts, as I know you do as well. So that's gonna come up on Friday. Here's the tentative plan, barring any unforeseen changes. Sunday. You're going to look at your podcast feed. You're going to be like, hey, what's that? That is actually going to be, it just meant more, the 2014 season. That initially was supposed to come out. Uh, that was supposed to come out on Thursday. Yeah, Thursday that was going to yep. come out. But that will instead come out on Sunday. But you'll still have between two days with every single podcast. So we'll get back on schedule next week. It was a weird week. We got thrown off. Stuff that was outside of our control. Just glad to be back and doing this because we went a long time without recording a podcast compared to how we usually do things now that we're, we're dealing with three a week. Well, we recorded one. <laughs> with putting out a podcast, I should say. It didn't take. So, so please was. please download this again. Subscribe. Um, give us a five-star review on iTunes if you have not done so yet. Um, Marler slash Tommy Tuberville. What do we need? Connor, just remember it all. It might mean too much. Talk to you guys soon.